Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Coatsy, episode Rich. 100. Mate, I, I bet you thought you'd never get here. I, I, as, I, as I said before, I've, I've come very late to the game. It's a bit like, uh, I don't know, jumping in at mile 25 and a half on the marathon. But uh, you've been running the whole way. No, no, I haven't, actually. Uh, like for the first, I don't know, I want to say the first 30, Jeremy did by himself. So okay. I was, I was, I jumped in at like mile nine, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's pretty awesome. I was going to learn to say 100 in like every language around the world, and then uh, I gave up. So you just get to hear 100 in Texan. In Texan, yeah. <laughs> so, so we started the week like reunited. We were together at the beginning of the week, but we were again remote and recording this uh, intro part remote. But uh, uh, it was cool to, to sync up with you at the beginning of the week. It was lots of fun, and I think we're going to get together again at the end of the week, which is, which is pretty exciting. That's right. Which means we might even be able to do 101 in person as well. You never know. I think it will. I think we will. Uh, that's my goal for uh, Sunday. So, uh, well, cool. I mean, it's uh, it, episode 100. We wanted to try to do some amazing things. I know in episode, I think, 90, when Jeremy made his like final appearance, I, I said, man, you got to come back for episode 100. And, and he, he was like, he, did. he was like, I am there. I am there. But... For those that don't know, um, Jeremy got married last weekend, so big, huge congratulations to him and that. Uh, he married uh, Julie, and uh, they are off honeymooning. And so we couldn't have him live on the show, but that doesn't mean we can't be a little mischievous and go back and take great little sound bites and put them together in our own mock interview. So uh, you ready nothing to hear like this, taking, Coatsy? Yeah, mate. Nothing like taking Jeremy out of context. It's always fun. That's right. Hopefully we don't get in trouble with this, but let's uh, roll it. Jeremy, mate, congrats on the wedding, man. I'm so happy for you. It's still not quite sunk in that it's over. Yeah, I bet. I, you know, I was home stuck with a crying infant, but I hear the venue was awesome. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of fun, actually. I, I really enjoyed the setup, actually. So any cold feet saying goodbye to your bachelor days? Absolutely not. Oh, come on. Really? It's a sad, sad thing to see. Uh, we go from this, but um, it's time for me to move on. It's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. I hear you had an Amazon Echo perform the ceremony? It's interesting. It, people are like, what is it? And being able to automate those types of things is really cool. And you had bleacher-style seating? You could see all that was going on. So Now, I also heard that Chris Johnson was in the wedding party, but he like made a bit of a scene complaining about things. It was just quite funny that things people fuss about at these things. I hear you guys had some really good steak at the reception. How was that? I know you were probably like getting dressed in tuxes all day and, and probably didn't have a lot of chance to eat. When that like was set in front of you, what were you thinking? Man, I'm really excited to get my teeth really hard into this. And Well, man, I'm bummed I wasn't there. Uh, hopefully we're still good buds, right? Exactly right. You'll be talking to me over the fence while we're mowing our lawn. That might be hard from Texas, but I'd like that. Well, anyway, huge congrats again. And also, thanks for being on episode 100 during your honeymoon, of all things. You will not escape, Jeremy Thate. Thanks, mate. <laughs>
So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he just he didn't know that he was still going to be a guest, but uh, he was for sure. And uh, bleacher seating at a wedding, I never heard of such well, imagine, a thing. You know, when you're as popular as that, everyone's got to be able to see. Otherwise, there'll be uh, there'll be dissent. Imagine imagine the, the the crowd this sat if they couldn't see the actual event. He might be starting something here, you know, like like I remember movie theaters were always flat when I was growing up. And now they all have theater seating like these right. like uh, stadium type seating. So maybe he's starting something. Here's, here's my prediction for Jeremy's kids. They're going to get married in a Greek amphitheater. Thousands yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. With no, no, uh, no, no uh, amplification necessary. Just that projection of the voice to the entire thousand people sitting all around you. That'd be cool. My only prediction is that his kids are going to have kids names that start with J since it's uh Jeremy and Julie it's going to be Jeremy <laughs> Julie and like Joseph Jordan. and yeah, Jane yeah yeah and Jared that's right so you heard it here first very good well we did have some weekly updates it was a pretty quiet week um i know that you know some of our popular bloggers it's the middle of summertime some people take uh well it's the middle of summertime for the uh, northern hemisphere and I know a lot of our, our bloggers there uh, take vacation. Oh, like Vesa, he's like out camping. And I know Waldeck, who's one of our most uh, frequent bloggers, he's similar to me. He just had a kid. And so he's been away from it a little bit. But uh, we did have a couple of interesting updates. Uh, one is by Office 365 announced a brand new service. This is so exciting for me because I've been thinking about this as, as, a, as a great idea ever since one of our partners in Australia pretty much did this exact thing as a proof of concept on mobile. It's called the Bookings Service. It's very, very neat. Yeah, so Bookings is going to be a, a, an entire new suite app. And when we say suite app is when you go to the little waffle in Office 365, you have this kind of choice of all the different applications. You can pin your own applications that you build, but this is going to be a new application that will show up there for Office 365 Premium customers. And this is probably something that really aligns with like the small to mid-sized business, but it, it really will allow you, if you do any sort of like bookings or scheduling with customers, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of work involved with that. I know if I go visit like the dentist and then I need to like reschedule it. You know, that's a lot of work on their end. And uh, the idea behind this is to make that self-service. So you can set up different services and then uh, basically set up the availability times and let your customers go in and basically book and schedule time. Right. Now, I haven't played with this yet at all, but, but from, the, from the blog post uh, up on blogs.office.com, there's some really neat functionality. You can allow people to book with a specific staff member or with any staff member. Uh, you can allow them to book a specific service, uh, which might take a certain amount of time. So it, it might also display a, a, a dollar value in there. It can allow them to go in and reschedule or cancel their bookings. It captures a whole bunch of information about the uh, about the person who's making the booking. So there's a bunch of CRM stuff going on there, and it also allows you to see in a uh, in a common calendar the bookings that have been made for each of the people and each of the services that are going on. So really, really comprehensive and works apparently just as well on mobile devices as it does on a on desktop uh, client. Yeah, you know, this is uh, obviously. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't hear any sort of internal rumor of this. It, I was as uh, you know surprised about it as everyone else. Uh, but interestingly, if you if you look at this, it's obvious. I mean, it just screams coming from the exchange team. I mean, right. you have calendaring involved. You have contacts and things like that. And so, uh, to me, it's it's 
it's quite obvious it's probably coming from that side of the world. And we were talking before the podcast, we'll have to track down and see if there are APIs related to this. Right. Uh, because I know that, um, you know, you could think of like a service abstractly, almost like, well, maybe maybe we use this and APIs to deal with like room scheduling. Like that's the, the service is the room and you can ultimately uh, maybe use this tool as a way of, of doing some of those bookings in a creative way. Because right now, for the most part, with uh, the the calendaring API that's in like the Microsoft graph, it's mainly, you know, you can create events for you. There's not like necessarily advanced resourcing uh, associated with it. So, right, uh, right, right. So um, cool. There's, there's some other, yeah, that's just really the other, the other neat thing in here that uh, in the Q&A is uh, they're about, they're going to release a, uh, an offline, sorry, a, 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 um, a, a mobile uh, um, client to go along with it. So you can see stuff while you're away from the office, a companion app. And um, uh, also uh, it does talk about uh, the fact that you just need a, only one, there only needs to be one office um, business premium subscription to, uh, to, to, to enable it. Not all of your staff need it, just, uh, just, just the one of you. So that's, that's, well, they've obviously tried to make it as accessible as possible. Yeah, and um, it also says that it's starting to roll out now to the first release customer. So if you are, if you're a developer, hopefully you have first release turned on. Um, you know, I would think that that's something that's appealing for developers wanting to look at kind of the latest and greatest things. So um, if you don't know where that is, if you go to the admin center for Office 365, there's a, I think it's under service plan or something like that along the side. There's a place where you can go and flip a little switch to do first release. And what that is, is as we release new services like, you know, the bookings tool, uh, you can get that provisioned in your tenant before it rolls out to the general public. Right. Very, very cool. Now, business premium, I'm, I'm not sure what that uh, equates to in the old E systems, but uh, uh, that, that, that might be something as well. So if you've got a dev tenant, you had an old E3, I think, and so that might be a that might be also a different a different tenant, a different a different uh, level. Yep. So the Very other cool. the other kind of announcement for the week, or or I guess activity in the community, uh, is related to the Office Dev Show. So we did a a show last week where we talked about all of the uh, kind of what we've done in the Getting Started series for the Office Dev Show. Uh, in in this week's episode, we decided to kind of take a spin and, and deep dive into one of the specific APIs in the Microsoft Graph. So we looked at the OneDrive APIs and I know I've been doing a lot with that and, and Coates, you've been you've been building an application that makes a lot of use with the OneDrive API, is that right? Right, particularly the Excel bits on, on that, yeah. Yeah, so um, super cool with that and so check it out. It's uh, you know a quick video that goes through and shows how to to work with the different APIs and uh, even looks at some of the things that uh, might be in the, the beta endpoint for that. So, well, cool. we um, we don't have Jeremy for episode 100, but we are going to have a, a nice a nice bang. Uh, we have as a guest the corporate vice president of SharePoint and OneDrive, Mr. Jeff Teeper, that uh, took some time to sit down with us this week. It was a fun chat, wasn't it? I had a great time, and it's it's really nice getting a chance to chat with uh, these guys who are, are so up in the organization, so high up in the organization, but still so down to earth and so approachable. I really appreciate that uh, that Jeff took the time, took half an hour at his fairly busy schedule to have a chat with us, and of course to to you guys out there. So one of the in, most interesting parts of the interview for me was him talking about his time that he spent in the strategy role. So he, before Jeff came back to SharePoint, he spent some time 
working with directly for Satya and Amy Hood. Uh, and it was really, I'm not going to spoil it, but I was just really kind of gratified in terms of like the activities that he was doing, considering like his level within the organization. I mean, he was a, uh, you know, a corporate vice president, he's a big wig and to hear, you know, some of the things that he was doing and staying true to his roots, I thought was uh, pretty awesome. It says a lot that we've still got a super geek at that level. And I, and I think it, uh, it, it actually says a lot about the, uh, the, the the company and and the the culture of the company that that's the case. Absolutely. So with that, let's uh, let's roll right into the interview with Jeff Teeper. So I'm joined here with a fantastic guest for episode 100. Uh, we really tried to raise the bar with someone that has some uh, significant influence in the Office 365 developer area. So I'm joined with. The corporate vice president of SharePoint and OneDrive, Mr. Jeff Teeper. Welcome. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. It is. It is. But I, I think you fill the shoes. So uh, I, I know this is an insanely busy time for you with everything that's going on with the team. And actually at Microsoft, for, for the listeners that don't really know what goes on at Microsoft this time of year, we just switched to a new physical year. So there's lots of activities. We have a lot of internal conferences like... This week, there's a. Did you escape MGX somehow? I did. Uh, my day job is to ship software, so I wanted to go to WPC last week to talk to partners. But I am back this summer mainly to focus on shipping. Awesome. Which is, I think what you want the engineering team to do. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So we uh, we have these three back-to-back conferences, and somehow Jeff uh, just escaped the middle one, which is uh, uh, always nice to spend time at home with the family. Yeah, that's really cool. So Jeff, you've been around like, doing this for years and years and years. There's a, been a big journey, I guess, from digital dashboard all the way through to where we are now, right? Like, one of my, one of my, in fact, my co-host in the other podcast I do is uh, his, his very first Microsoft T-shirt he had was a digital dashboard T-shirt, and he still wears it pr- uh, proudly. Um, tell us a bit about that journey. Did you ever think SharePoint was going to get this big? Yeah, um, I guess I'm supposed to say no, but I did because I just thought there was, you know, we had been very successful with Office, allowing, you know then hundreds of millions of people to create documents. It seemed obvious Office needed a server uh, to store those documents and to create a place where people would assemble stuff together. And when intranets started rising up uh, in the, you know, 99, 2000, seemed sort of a no-brainer that if we just did an intranet product that spanned collaboration and publishing and embracing Office, it would be a big success. So I felt more pressure to, like, to, you know, fulfill the responsibility we'd been given than anxiety about whether this would be a successful business or not. Cool. So it, it feels like uh, around 2013, you, you stepped away from SharePoint for a while yeah. and did some strategy work for Microsoft. And once you came back, it, it, it's my perception, and we're, me and Coates were talking about this, is that there feels like there's this big resurgence of energy around SharePoint. Um, I, I want to get a little hat that says "Make SharePoint Great Again." No, or something. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's stay away from either party. <laughs> so, I mean, is that? I mean, is that just like an external perception, or like what? Tell me the kind of the the feeling of coming back to the team and and the activities that are going on. Yeah, well, we have a great team in the SharePoint team, and they were uh, they've been executing very well. Uh, you know, in the last. 12 months or so, we'd been running at uh, 100% plus growth in the active usage of SharePoint Online. Team uh, was well along executing on a, a server, tw- server 2016. Uh, 
but uh, you know, in talking to the team in, in Satya, ultimately, they, folks said, hey, we really need to stake out a bold view on the next generation. To the extent that I could help there, I was excited to come back to the team. Uh, and so uh, we, not to say we stopped uh, executing because we continue to focus on, on shipping, but what we did last fall was roll out a vision that we ultimately, to the team that we built, and we had the May 4th event, and I'm really excited about Ignite coming up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think SharePoint is a cornerstone product for Microsoft, and so I feel very fortunate to be part of the team again. Does it feel like switching to, like, we made this big transition over the last, like, five, six years of, of turning SharePoint kind of first into this evergreen service in the cloud, and so you had these incremental updates. Um, is I mean, has that been has that been a, a like a, a big adjustment for the team in terms of like in the past shipping these like big bang updates versus building things and, and showing kind of cool stuff incrementally? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, certainly SharePoint grew up in the era of Microsoft where the engineering achievement was shipping the work of thousands of people on one day. And whether Windows did it or Office did it, including SharePoint shipping, uh, the last uh, big one of those was 2013 that shipped on October 11th, 2012, or 10-11-12, the date for fun we set before. Uh, but clearly the market had evolved to, to the cloud. And for us, figuring out when to make that transition to cloud first was tricky because clearly that's where the market was going, but that's not yet where all the customers were. And so over the last two, three years, we've been sh- switching that way. And it's, uh, it's been fun. I think people like to get the software out to customers and get their feedback faster. Uh, so culturally, it was actually a very easy thing to do in terms of engineering systems and process you know, going through, have, coming up with something like first release, going through rings of validation, having uh, our monitoring uh, be very robust so we got early warning signals if anything went wrong in an early stage of deployment. You know, that was the hard work. But in terms of the team, the team wants to ship. I, I love the idea of, of, um, of this you know, gathering data all the time, yeah, and and being a data driven organization, talk a little bit about how that's changed in terms of in, in terms of getting insights back from from users. Yeah, if you think about it, we, you know, the office team was the original data uh, driven software development uh, pioneers. We had something called Squim and Watson, uh, w- one of which told you about the quality of the code, the other which told you about. Um, the usage, and it was great. We made a lot of data-driven decisions. The problem is our deployment cycle, let's be honest, was in many cases five years because we would do a feature, plan a feature, think about it for a couple years, ship it to customers. A portion of the customers would skip that release, but maybe enough would do it, and we'd get feedback and we'd say, yeah, let's move that button over here. And then, you know, you'd you know, so we we actually had the model. We had two challenges: is not everybody opted in, uh, and then the cycle time wasn't very good. Now we have incredible. You know, like every day I can bring up Power BI on my phone and literally see dozens and dozens of dashboards about uh, OneDrive and SharePoint usage. Uh, we also have feedback loops in the app stores. You know, the uh, the OneDrive app for Android. I sort of told this story a couple of times. 600,000 people have rated it. You know, when we do new releases you know, every couple months, we get a lot of tight feedback on that, and we, whether it's fix an issue or take something uh, off the backlog and prioritize it as a feature. So uh, 
it is hard engineering to get high quality data, uh, harder than sometimes we, we might like. But, you know, again, that's one of those things the team just loves. Like if you know how many people are actually using the feature and uh, if you check in code to make it better and get the feedback, you know, it's great. You know, one example of that is the new SharePoint Home. Uh, we, there's this statistical measure everybody uses in software called retention, which is how many people come back and use a feature a second time. Uh, the old SharePoint Home page, sort of people would blow through to get to their sites and sort of favorite those sites and never get go back because it, it didn't tell them anything interesting. And we made this new page that, using the graph, says... Here's the places you care about. Here's the stuff that's going on that might be interesting. And we've got a lot more retention. And so we know we're on the right track uh, with that sort of feature. So data-driven has been great. That's great. One of the things you talked about um, was being at WPC last week yeah. and, and talking to partners. Um, and developing on the SharePoint platform has always yeah. been something that's been really exciting. Can you talk a bit about how that's evolved over time? Yeah. Um, it is tricky to have a product that is both an application and a platform. Uh, if you get it right, it is kind of magical. Because if you have something as a, that's just a platform, say ASP.NET or the LAMP stack or something like that, then you really got to write a lot of the code yourself or assemble from various packages, and it's a lot of work. If you have something that's an application, like a document management system, but it isn't tailorable for, say, a law office or a pharmaceutical company's drug discovery, uh, then you've got something that is out of the box but doesn't meet the user's needs. So if you can get that balance just right, uh, you get something that can meet customers' needs at lower costs. And uh, as, as I, it was very clear from WPC, you can get a partner ecosystem fired up to make a lot of money on it. Uh, we've talked about this stat before that the SharePoint ecosystem makes about $10 billion a year. If you go into LinkedIn, a million three people listed as a skill. Um, and so I think it's because uh, we've got that, that balance of both application and platform. Uh, and so the work we have to do, you know, that sort of, again, sort of if I think, when I came back to the team, I had a chance to think about what made SharePoint great, but what do we really have to do to make SharePoint better? Um, it's what made great, it great was sort of embracing core collaboration content management made up of building blocks, pages, parts, lists, libraries, and so forth. But we needed to modernize both the application, make it easier to use out of the box, make it run great on a phone, and modernize the development platform, leverage what people are doing in JavaScript, and give people a simple answer for a rad tool around Power Apps. Uh, so I think we went back to our roots in wh who we are, uh, but sort of modernized both the user experience and platform. And I think... Uh, the thing that made SharePoint successful in the last 10 years will be the same thing that will make it successful in the next 10 years, is if we can do the best job in the industry of balancing both an application with a platform. So the, the May 4th event was really uh, accumulated a lot of this excitement around what was that the teams were working on and being able to uh, finally kind of open that up and, and yeah. show the world uh, what was kind of being worked on. Can you give us maybe a, a summary for our listeners? I mean, we have we have a huge amount of SharePoint developers that listen yeah, to the podcast, yeah, yeah. and probably the majority, but we do have some that that don't. and And so, what is, what do what does everyone have to look forward to? What's coming uh, down the pipe for developers? Yeah, yeah. Let me sort of get some context on the event, and then we can talk about that. That uh, good news is we've shipped switched from sort of 
the every two and a half years with a heads up at the beta, say six to nine months in advance where everybody had a chance to digest and it wasn't an overwhelming amount of information. Or it was, but it was only on one day. Uh, now to the point where we're starting to, in Office 365 and Azure, and the rest of the industry get stuff uh, out there more uh, quickly. And there's a danger when you do that is people uh, lose the forest for the trees. And so we wanted to have a moment where we stepped back and said, SharePoint's important to Microsoft. It's very central to Office 365. We care about the following scenarios. We care about the following user experience and the development platform. And so we told that story all at once. Now, some stuff was already ready. Some stuff was about to ship. And some stuff was a little farther out. But we figured we picked May 4th, not just because it was Star Wars Day. <laughs> but we, we actually picked the time frame because we thought that was at the point where we were going to have enough stuff with new document libraries, homepage, and mobile apps, and OneDrive integration that we'd have a lot of new excitement for us, but not wait till we ship the very last thing. Uh, so, so we told the story on, uh, on, on May 4th where we talked about really four pillars, uh, collaborating on files, the mobile intelligent intranet, uh, an open and connected platform, and then sort of uh, you know, the work around security and governance, all mm -hmm. with a hybrid model. Uh, so those were the four pillars on the open and connected platform. You know, again, we started with the basis of SharePoint's going to be great out of the box, but you can customize and extend it, and the degree of customization people will do will vary considerably. Some people will do none. Some people will add a part, have a user add a part to a page. Some people will write a bunch of JavaScript uh, that goes into those parts, and some people will do a sort of full-blown brand new user experience that uses SharePoint as a data store. And we believe in that full spectrum. Uh, and so we wanted to make sort of two things clear. One is that we support the existing mechanisms we have in SharePoint, whether it's classic pages and web parts, um, add-ins, uh, the REST APIs, InfoPath, you know, InfoPath supported for 10 years and so forth. Uh, but we also felt it was an inflection point to be really crisp for developers about where are we going. Uh, and we needed it to be in line with the rest of the industry and the rest of Microsoft and the rest of developer skills. That we didn't you know, want to, to just iterate on the model we had. Uh, and so we, again, sort of, if you look at the spectrum of developers, the rad developers who said, hey, I used to use... Um, SharePoint Design or InfoPath, what do you want me to use Microsoft? Uh, we said, okay, our bet there out of the box is for Power Apps and Flow. And the good news is it works across Microsoft and across the rest of the industry. Flow has got dozens of connectors. Uh, and there will be third parties that will build on top. That's, that's great. But we, you know, we really spent a lot of time over the last nine months or so since I came back to the team working with the Power Apps team on, on that plan. Uh, so we have a, a RAD solution connected to various back-end systems and a Microsoft-wide strategy, not just a SharePoint strategy. It's going to be baked into SharePoint so that when you sort of are on a list, you can say add a flow, add a Power app. So it's going to be that sort of seamless experience, like if it was the design from the get-go to be a SharePoint customization story, but it's going to connect everything else. So if you want a SharePoint list connected to Twitter or Salesforce, you, you can do that. Uh, so that's one part, rapid application development, power apps, and flow. The second part was 
uh, really embracing modern developers. Uh, it is impossible to keep pace with what's going on there. You know, C Sharp, of course we love. You know, JavaScript and where Node's taken that. Um, you know, uh, Go, Swift. You know, it's just, and so, you know, like how do you, how, what's our strategy in that world for SharePoint and how do we invite every developer we can to the party? And so this is where we said, okay, we've got a data layer in the Graph API, and we're going to start putting more of the OneDrive and SharePoint functionality in that data layer. Now, it doesn't superset everything we've done in the rest in um, SOAP SharePoint interfaces overnight because, you know, we just don't want to stop for 10 years. Uh, but is, is it the containers that make that more challenging? I mean, SharePoint's always been very container-based and... Um, I mean, is that sort of the challenge? I think, of- it's, I think it's just more, it's a lot, we, re, we spent a lot of person years of development into those CSOM, REST, SOAP APIs. Which is really comprehensive. Yeah, so. and so we want to rewrite uh, that in a way that is just simpler for developers to onboard to. You know, there's things in SHAML, SharePoint, XML, and CAMEL all merged one. <laughs> uh, the, uh, there's things in SharePoint that are a little, obviously, date to when, XML was the best thing on the planet, uh, or even before. Uh, we had this thing called Camel before there was XML. And now we all love JSON. And, you know, so the, the thing is that we, when we get a developer who's come to us from the open source world and the mobile world, uh, and they said, hey, I know JSON. Well, we need a more JSON-centric API. And so, uh, again, we decided not to do a SharePoint one-off API or one drive one-off API. We worked across Microsoft on the Graph API so that if you're coming to us and saying, hey, I'm an ISV that has written my solution to Dropbox, I want to make it easy to integrate OneDrive and SharePoint 2, you can do that. So, you know, that is one part of the professional development work, which is the data layer, making it accessible to any developer, lowering that skill bar and so forth. And just as an example of something, you know, if you're doing server-to-server stuff with Node.js, you can do that with that API. Uh, we have webhooks coming very, very soon. The other I, like thing people in the SharePoint ecosystem has loved is um, Xamarin. So Xamarin, C-Sharp tool, building cross-platform mobile apps. Uh, you know, so if, you, if, if you're a developer out there and say, I really need a tracking application and I want to look at exactly how I want it, but I want the data, some of the data to be in SharePoint, we'd say, great, use Xamarin and the Graph API and you can go do that. So that is for the data layer where, again, we didn't want to invent a complicated thing for people to learn. We just want to embrace everything else that was going on in the industry, JSON, REST, webhooks, OAuth, and Graph API. On the UI layer, uh, there really was a, you know, that was where we stepped back the most and tried to figure out what we could do. Could we take the existing web part model forward? And we ultimately said, you know, it's just too hard for an outside developer new to this stuff to learn. But more importantly, if we really are going to obsess about performance and responsiveness um, and interoperability with all the JavaScript frameworks that are coming out, this was a chance to look for something new. And so we uh, spent a lot of time and said, all right, let's... And if you looked under the covers in Delve and in, in video and the doc and library, there, you know, teams in Microsoft were using various modern web development approaches from the single-page application wave and so forth. And we said, let's come up with a consistent model for this so that we can, you know, do what SharePoint's done in the past, which is give people a set of building blocks. 
Uh, so we spent a lot of time on this, obsessing a lot on performance and what it would take. Uh, and we ultimately came up with what we called the SharePoint framework, so that if you come to us with skills from React or uh, Angular or something like that, we get you started. Turns out, as you guys know, that this was something a lot of that SharePoint developers had been done doing anyway. They created a publishing site, they stuck the script editor web part on it, and they went and partied in modern JavaScript development. Uh, and basically, they they you know they did a lot of this almost in spite of SharePoint. And we should be helping them. Uh, I think I think he's talking to you, Mark Rackley. Just <laughs> Mark Rackley, my buddy, and uh, who I saw in uh, both Toronto and. Uh, in Nashville. Um, so yeah, it. I, you know, we like to listen to what uh, people want from us and see what people are doing. The other thing is, uh, it's funny, when I was running the strategy team in Satya's first year as CEO, you know, we, you know, the team had a chance to do a lot of work to support him. But I actually did more coding with new technologies in that year than I'd done in a while. So I wrote uh, some code for fun to React and Angular and Meteor and sort of, you know, sort of thought a little bit about well, what would we do? What would we do if we sort of did SharePoint from scratch now? But clearly, we want to bring people's forward stuff forward, and so you know, we basically came to let's do a new modern rendering layer on top of people's existing data and intermingle them so new sites can, you know, old sites can have new pages and parts and vice versa and so forth. And once we sort of got there, it became pretty obvious. And um, so the challenge for us, and, you know, I think we've, you know, we've been poked on in a couple other podcasts about, like, should we have announced the SharePoint framework before we had it in preview? And I just think if we had to, because uh, we wanted to be clear to our, our customers and partners, we had a bold vision for SharePoint that included professional development uh, that we were in touch with what was going on, and um, you know we're, we're working hard. We're on our th- coming up on our third round of what we call Dev Kitchens, where people get to see our early work and give us frank feedback on it. And we're making great progress. And I think by Ignite, you'll see you know you'll, you'll see stuff that you know people can use more broadly. And and uh, we're really really excited about it. Um, you know, I, and I think if you look at the performance of some of the pages, that the new pages we put in, in the new SharePoint UI, you'll sort of see a taste of what, what's ahead. Do you feel like to some extent, um, you know, talking about the, the critics, like I, I've heard a few people say, oh, this is like, you know, the fourth new way for us to do development. I, I see like this isn't like it's not replacing some of the concepts that we came out in 2013 of like calling into REST APIs yeah. and you know, it, it doesn't really change that. But I see this as an opportunity to maybe attract the open source community that really yeah. hasn't looked at SharePoint in the past. I think it's, to- look, it's totally fair to say, you know, we've added lots of new APIs over time. Again, if you sort of, you know, because SharePoint's been around for a while and has been incredibly successful, yes, when um, uh, web services and SOAP was a big deal, SharePoint embraced that. When uh, uh REST ad- got adopted, we embraced that. So uh, XML and JSON we were talking about. So to some extent, some of this is just you know us responding to the market. I do think this is the um, really since SharePoint 20, um, 2003, uh, the second release, when we sort of embraced ASP.NET, 
this is the first major switch in the rendering path for SharePoint, where we went from you know basically an ASP.NET page model made of ASP.NET controls parts to a 100% JavaScript model. Um, and um, but the feedback that we've introduced a lot of new stuff. Some of it made sense in terms of the market. Some of it, you know, I'm I'm sure that there are features of SharePoint we introduced that. You know, we wish we could have done differently. We're not going to say everything we did in the last 15 years is perfect. But I think this model is really good. Uh, I think you'll see a, a simple, fast user experience. You'll have an extensibility model, as you say. Like, the goal is not to have somebody have to read the 1,000-page programming SharePoint book. The goal is for any developer out there to come to SharePoint and feel welcome to the party. You know, like, uh, the .NET developers, you know, uh, they're thrilled uh, but we wanted to attract even more. We want to grow SharePoint. And I think besides having a forward-looking architecture, this was a way to grow the community. Cool. Um, one of the things you talked about was doing some coding just recently yeah. when, uh, when you're working for Satya directly. They, just in general, are you still coding stuff? Is, is, that, is that what's going on? And are you encouraging your, your, your kids to code? Yeah, actually... Uh, <laughs> both, my, both my daughters are in college now. They've both taken computer science classes. Uh, I won't go into the specifics, but uh, they, yes, uh, they are. Um, I, uh, y- you know, it's fun. You know, the reason we get attracted to technology is, you know, the reason you choose a career in technology is usually because you like to build stuff. Right. You played with Legos or Rector sets or Tinker's Toys as a kid, and then you found out that you could do that even faster with ones and zeros. And so, um I learn a lot by doing these things. Uh, it's clear, you know, uh, you know, you know if, you, if you go 100% all in on open source, then you've got to glue everything together yourself. But if you sort of have a completely closed system, you can't leverage what's going out there. And we've tried to, we've got a business to run where we want to create IP that we get paid for. Uh, and so we're trying to have the best of both worlds. But in terms of me coding, yeah, actually, um, I got inspired. I, I put a HoloLens on a few weeks ago, and I got inspired to learn more than I had had about uh, 3D development. So I've been looking a little bit at um, some of the WebGL frameworks and playing with those. Uh, no promise or expectation, but it's sort of one. You know, uh, I do. Uh, I have been seeing how many frames per second I can get with how many objects on the screen, and thinking about what that might mean for Office 365 and uh, and also, it's just fun, yeah. you know. So yeah, I uh, I uh, I coded yesterday at home, for example. <laughs> nice, very cool. So, not to air dirty laundry, you mentioned that there's probably some things in SharePoint that you that could have been done better. But I, I would like to hear one thing: is since SharePoint has become such a popular platform for building applications on, what's like the craziest use you've ever seen? Like, like you know, someone had I don't know. Uh, Built the magic eight ball web part for SharePoint. I don't. I don't know. What's What's the craziest thing you've seen inside of SharePoint? Um. Gosh, that's a tricky one. I don't know if I've got a great example. Um, I've definitely seen ambitious ones um, from people monitoring, you know, offshore uh, oil refineries to um, like line of business stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, without getting into any specifics, uh, you know, the, the 
military organizations around the world use SharePoint to run uh, their various aspects of their operation. And having the chance to see some of those is probably that's probably been the single most surprising thing. And it's humbling because you know that means SharePoint's mission critical, really mission critical. People's lives are on the line and so forth. And so that's. I would not call it crazy, though. I would say it, it's a big responsibility. I like ambitious. Ambitious is a good, yeah. a good word. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very cool. Um, you were Geek of the Week in 2011 and, uh, when, uh, with, uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And in that interview, you, um, you were asked what the most important technology of 2011 was, and you said cloud computing. So you're one for one. That's pretty cool. So if you'll come forward five years, what's the most important technology now? And perhaps looking a bit forward. I think... You know, it's a little hype because it's been around for 30, 40 years. And so for everybody, anybody to say, well, this is now the time. Um, you know, the work around machine learning and artificial intelligence um, so that the computer starts doing work for us as opposed to us doing work for the computer. I sort of say that because, you know, it is start, you are starting to see this transform user experiences. But it's also we also have to be careful that we manage expectations about what's going to happen when and don't overshoot. But uh, I I think uh, you know the amount of hardware we're able to bring to the bear in the cloud and some of the algorithms that you'll see us you know what we've got now in the office graph is uh, just the tipping point. The flip side there is being responsible, making sure that. Uh, it you know people are clear what we're doing with the data. We're addressing all security and privacy concerns. People have even better insights about what's going on with the data in the system than they had before. Uh, but I I think clearly uh, we will five years from now is you've got a modern SharePoint intranet running in the cloud, uh, powered by machine learning. You'll be stunned how you ever navigated information the old way that you know browsing through file share hierarchies looking <laughs> for a document as opposed to the software assembling for you sort of a virtual document of things you might be relevant might be relevant to and um, you know I we're just getting started very nice well it sounds like you know, Ignite's going to be a big moment for SharePoint so a lot of activity yeah. between now and then anything you want to leave our listeners with Definitely come to Ignite. Uh, you know, there's Mark. You mentioned Mark. Mark has asked at a few different events when is SharePoint's uh, conference, the SharePoint's conference coming back, and I sort of spontaneously had this line in Toronto last weekend where I said, uh, "The best SharePoint conference there ever was will be the next Ignite." Uh, meaning that you know we're going to have 60 or so related SharePoint sessions. We're going to have a lot of new stuff. We're going to go deep, deep, deep on the SharePoint framework. We're going to go deep, deep, deep on the Graph API. We're going to go deep on Power Apps and Flow integration. We're going to go deep on the new UI. Uh, so uh, definitely come come to Ignite and give us feedback. Uh, you know we're moving fast, uh, but I hope people have seen in the last few months since I've sort of come back that you know. Uh, we're listening, you know, when people give us feedback and we think we should change our plans, um, you know, we'll admit it and say, hey, good call. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll veer a little bit to the right on that as opposed to the left. And the beautiful thing about Evergreen is that you can do that, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, it's great. Uh, we've, you know, we're really grateful for the SharePoint developer community out there. Please 
uh, continue to support the product. We're going to create a huge marketplace for you. We're going to modernize the platform so you can get more done with your skills. And uh, let's make the next 10 years great. Awesome. Well, I know we're running out of time, so I want to thank you for sure. taking the time. Like I said, it is a very busy time of the year for, for us at Microsoft and certainly your team. So thanks again and uh, look to have you on maybe at our 200 episode. Great. <laughs> thanks. thanks. I like that. Thanks, guys. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.